In the Old Testament, God raised up incredible heroes to accomplish his plan on earth. Oftentimes, they're portrayed as superhuman and near perfect when in reality, they were normal, everyday men and women with strengths and weaknesses just like everyone else. In this series, CMC's pastors will share the stories of these heroes of faith and what we can learn from them as we pursue God's call on our lives. Join lead pastor Tim Brooks as he teaches on Joseph. Joseph, uh, 17 years old, taking care of his father's flocks. Uh, verse 2 and 3, he would tell his father bad things that his brothers did. Um, not good. Uh, the father liked him as a favorite. That's probably not good. Uh, verse 5, 6, and 7, it gets progressively worse. Uh, he has a dream. His dream is everybody's bundles of grain bowed down to his bundle of grain. While that is quite a dream, really not wise to tell it to your brothers. And that's what he did. Uh, verse 9 has another dream. It progresses the sun the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. And he told that to his brothers. Now, I don't know if any of you have brothers, uh, but you can imagine how well that went over. Not dreams you want to tell your brothers. So we read quickly about the brothers entering in a discussion on let's kill him. Uh, that's the way to deal with this dreamer. Uh, then some says, no, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him into this old abandoned well. Uh, then we'll come back and kill him. And then some's going to come back and save him. And then they talk about, well, let's just pull him out then and sell him to these slave traders. And that's where we start. You know, you start looking for lessons. And, and there is an endless supply of lessons that we can learn about living life as we study Joseph navigating through life. Uh, God is speaking to Joseph. I mean, clearly, God is showing him things. And we say, well, how do you know it was God? Because it comes true. I mean, you will know if somebody is a false prophet or a true prophet. If the prophecies come true, you'll know. And obviously, Joseph was being talked to directly by God because all of this comes about. God is speaking to Joseph. But oftentimes, we don't handle the things of God with a lot of wisdom. And I believe we've got to learn some lessons here, uh, you, you know, how to better handle what God is telling you. So you want to be very careful uh, when God tells you things about how you handle that. To walk up to your brothers and says, hey, we all got bundles of grain here and your grain's going to bow down to mine. Probably wasn't the best way to handle what God is showing him. Joseph's brothers throw him into an abandoned well. And in that abandoned well, I... I just have to think about it. I, and here's the problem, I think, one of the main problems with reading all of the Bible, is we read it real quick. We read this story here in just a few minutes, the, a whole life's story in a few minutes. And, and I've got to slow all of that down as I'm sitting in my chair reading that, and I've got to put the Bible in my lap, and I have to think, okay, they threw him in the well, then the slave church came, they pulled him out, well, but, well, it didn't happen like that. They threw him in the well, and he was down there for a long time. Well, what was he doing down there for a long time? Well, he was thinking. 
Well, what was he thinking about while he's in this? See, that's what goes over and over in my mind as I'm laying there with the Bible in my lap, not just quickly reading the, the next part of the story here. You, you know that life throws you in a well. Then it pulls you out and sells you to the slave traders. Well, I, 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 he was not in an air-conditioned limo going down the road. If the slave traders buy you, you've seen the pictures in movies of like a, a prison or bars set on two wheels that some donkey or some oxen is pulling, and so he's locked in, and, and it's not on a, an airplane flying down the road here at seven, 800 miles an hour. I mean, how, how long was he in that cage, and what was he doing? He's thinking. So you, you learn life's lessons, and, and while you are there thinking, you are learning a lesson, or you are seething. See, you're, okay, I won't do that again. Okay, let me learn. What do I need to do different? How could I better have handled that situation? Or, when I get out of here, I'll kill every last one of them. You start seething, and you start getting bitter, and you let anger start welling in your heart. And the more you think about it, the more angry you get. And the more angry you get, the more you think about it. And you start building a case in your mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't act like you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but Joseph is in this dungeon, in this well, in the slave trader deal, and, and he's, he's working through the, the crisis that just happened to him. Chapter 39. Joseph's taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He's purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potter, Potiphar's captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. All right, so he... So he, he's enslaved, and he's purchased, and so here he is. Here is where he finds himself. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Is he in a good situation? No. He's been sold by his brothers into slavery. Look at the anger. Look at the bitterness. Look at the hate. Look at the rage. Look at the unforgiveness. I mean, we just go on and on and on. And look at this. Potiphar noticed. Notice what? Notice that the Lord's with him. If the Lord's with him, got a smile on his face. Got a gleam in his eye. Yes, sir. No, sir. How can I help you, sir? What do we need to do next? Well, you've got to look at what is Joseph's attitude? What is his response to the situation that he's in? Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. In the midst of your most difficult situation, do people notice that the Lord is with you and are pleased by what they see in you? I mean, you've got to think about this. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. Now, what kind of attitude, what kind of countenance was on his face, what kind of work ethic did he have that soon he becomes Potiphar's personal assistant? Potiphar puts him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. 
From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibilities over everything he owned. Look at this next sentence. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food he's going to eat. You know, some of you guys here from Teen Challenge that are with us. I don't know the circumstances that you are in Teen Challenge. Some of you probably aren't even there by your own choice. I mean, you were sold into slavery there. I mean, you know, the police threw you there, your parents. I mean, some of you, you're thrown into there. Is Teen Challenge running so much smoother because you're there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You've you got to think about this. Since you've come there, is there such a blessing in that place? Everything you touch is a success. You're a blessing to everybody there. You hadn't been there any time, and so they're starting to put you in charge of this, put you in charge of that. But, I mean, in no time, you're in charge of the whole team. Challenge the, the directors there. Don't even have to worry about anything because you're there. Are you mad? You sold up? You bitter? When I get out of here, I'm going to kick some out there. God, I'm a, I, What's going in your head right now? I mean, here is what's happening. You've got to look at the, and it amazes me as I study this. I, I look, see what we're doing here is we're looking for what does a holy life look like. And in this day and time, we're going to blame our father for where we are. We're going to blame what he didn't do, or we're going to blame our mother, or we're going to blame our boss, or we're going to blame our brothers for what they did. You're going to blame the situation. What amazes me is there's no blame to anybody about anything, and Joseph is rising to the head of the slaves. I mean, he just rising to the top. Verse 2, succeeded in everything that he did. Now, I'm not reading in the story. I'm looking at the glaring obvious in the story. Is Joseph bitter? Clearly not. A guy that's bitter doesn't succeed in everything that he's doing. Is he bitter? Is he full of hate? Is Joseph full of anger? Is he full of revenge? Is he sold up? Is he pouting? Is he withdrawn? I'm going to tell you something. Joseph today could be diagnosed with every syndrome that's ever been invented. Instead, he just rises to the top. I'm here. This isn't my choice to be here. This isn't where I wanted to be. I never wanted to be here. The thought of this, I mean, can't even stand the thought of this, but here's where I am, so let me be the best of the best right here. Here's where I am, so let me rise to the top in this situation. Joseph immediately rises to the top, complete administrative responsibilities over everything that a wealthy guy owns. What does a holy life look like? Well, it looks like all of the attributes that you would have to possess to rise to the height that Joseph just rose to. Happy, easy to work with, blessing to be around, very responsible, very organized, very efficient. What caused Joseph to be a success? Well, you have to, you got to read into this story. Okay. Not where he wants to be. Not here by his own choice. And life couldn't be better for him. Are y'all with me? 
not here where he, he didn't choose this. He didn't want to be here. This is the furthest thing from his mind, but life could not be better for this guy. Are you kidding me? All right, read on. Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him. Okay, I'm just asking you. Potiphar is the head of the military. Okay, now in this day and time, you know, if, if they didn't like you, they just cut your head off. It's kind of cut and dried. So with that kind of power that Potiphar had, do you think this girl was pretty or think she's ugly? I'd have to guess the prettiest woman in the world. And if he found somebody prettier, he'd just kill her and go get that one and kill her husband. She was, I mean, we're talking about the prettiest in existence. And she's making a pass at Joseph. Put yourself in that situation, guys. I think I'm dreaming right here. <laughs> Verse 9. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held nothing back from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. There's nothing about does he want to. There's nothing about would anybody find out. There's nothing about would he get caught. There's nothing about any of that. Uh, how could I do such a great sin against God? Verse 12. I mean, this woman ain't taking no for an answer. Verse 12. She comes and grabs him by his cloak, demanding we're not just talking about blinking a little eye here and grinning, grabbing you by the clothes and demanding that you sleep with me. Joseph tears himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran out of the house. Verse 19. Uh, you, you know, you, she screams, holding his cloak. This guy tried to get me, and I've fought my life in here. I'm holding this thing. Oh, my goodness. And just big fat lie. I mean, I'm, we're talking about lie, frame, Joseph. It's terrible. Potiphar, verse 19, Potiphar is furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he takes Joseph, throws him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Now, we're not talking about prison with air conditioning and color TV. We're talking about if being a slave wasn't bad enough, it got a whole lot worse. I mean, it just got a whole lot worse. Throws him in jail. Now look at this. We don't take a break. Verse 21. Lord's with Joseph in prison. Showed him his faithful love. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. But before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him, caused everything he did to succeed. It just got, it went from horrible to horribler. A whole lot more and more horribler. And what happened? Okay, I'm here in prison, so I'll just, I'll just rise to the top in prison. Here's where I am. Let me succeed in every... What does a holy life look like? A holy life looks like regardless of what 
happens to you. You've been lied about. You've been framed. You've been punished falsely. Regardless of what life brings you, your attitude reflects God's glory. Your attitude reflects the image of God and you succeed. Wherever you are, you are a success in that scenario. Chapter 39, verse 19. Potiphar's furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph, how Joseph had treated her. Throws him in jail. You read on in the story. Joseph, and, and like I say, we're reading this story here in just a minute. Joseph is in jail for two years. For two years, he's in prison. And in prison, he's running the whole jail. He's running everything that happens down there. He's interpreting dreams for inmates. He's helping inmates out. It, and it says here, the warden didn't even have any worries as long as Joseph was there. Uh, amazing. Amazing Joseph's life in these situations. It's a real testimony to us, guys. It's a real story for you particularly here. Chapter 41, read on through here. Uh, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. He dreams about seven fat cows. He dreams about seven skinny cows. And the skinny cows ate the fat cows, and they didn't get any fatter. No one could interpret this dream. Word got to Pharaoh about this Hebrew that's down in the dungeon, and he's interpreted some dreams for people down there. Pharaoh says, well, go get him. Chapter 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved, changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. All right, now, I, I just stop and I put my Bible on my lap and I think about, okay, two years in prison. He's there because his brothers, because his dad, because Potiphar's wife, I mean... He, Two, two years of hate, two years of seething, and now he's standing before Potiphar. Joseph should be so full of hate right now. Joseph, you would think he would be so full of hate, not toward everybody, but ultimately toward God. I mean, God, here I did, all I did was serve you. I just told what you had told me. My father, my brothers, the slave trader, Potiphar's wife, lying about me. All I did was serve you, God, and this is what I've continued to get my whole life. Joseph, should, Joseph ought to be standing here just full of hate. Pharaoh sent for Joseph, got a dream. You would think out of Joseph's mouth was, won't you take your dream and shove it? That, 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 you would think that would be the reaction out of a fleshly man's mouth in the situation he's in. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means, but I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Look at this. Well, I'll tell you, you've done a good thing when you chose me, buddy. I mean, you're talking about stick your chest out. Here I am, buddy. I, now... You're starting to recognize the man. Yeah. Look at first words. Beyond my power to do anything. I, I, beyond my power to do any of this. But God. God can tell you. 
What's your attitude? In the midst of what all's happened to you? In the midst of what life has brought you? In the midst of the lies and the deceptions and the cons? In the midst of the hurts and the pain? God, where are you? God, why'd you let this happen to me? God, where are you? And how come you let this happen to me? And if there was a God, why would this have happened to me? God, I don't even believe God exists. Because if God exists, I wouldn't have gone through all that I've gone through. I can't do any of that, but God can. God can. God can. I mean, look at his relationship with the Lord. God will answer you. The dream was about seven years of abundance, seven years of drought. The drought is going to eat up the abundance. Verse 33, here we got to find an intelligent man, put him in charge of the seven abundant years. They make Joseph that guy. Now, here's what I want you to know. In times of famine, and you control all the food, you're the most powerful guy in the world. But when you're the only guy that's got the food, you're the most powerful person in the world. Chapter 42. Joseph's brothers come down needing food, heard there was food in Egypt. They come down, back to the beginning of the story, the brothers bowed down before Joseph. Chapter 42, 43, 44, 45. Y'all read the whole story. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. The whole family moves to Egypt. Joseph gives them choice land in Egypt, takes complete, con- complete care of them, and just sets them up in life. As we are pursuing being a holy generation... As we are making that our our pursuit, I I want you to know in the midst of pursuing a holy life, our life is lived in a fallen world and bad things happen to you. Bad things happen to you. Bad things happen. People are not perfect. Living this life, you will be, and you can write this down, you will be lied about. Not once, but often. You will be lied about. You need to know that. You need to know you will be framed. You need to know that you will be cheated. You will be cheated. You need to know you will be stolen from. If you live in this life, you will be stolen from. You will be overlooked. You will be forgotten. Joseph was in the dungeon, helped out folks down there. They get out, they forgot about it. You will be forgotten. The people who you help the most will forget about you. You will be forgotten about. You will be abused. Uh, Let me just tell you. Living life in this world, the hurt that you will experience living in a fallen, sin-filled world is oftentimes more than you think you can bear. That's life. The question is, how will you let all of that affect you? How will you let what life brings affect you? Because life brought all of that to Joseph And God was with him, and he was successful everywhere he was. 
He prospered everywhere he was. Not only did he prosper, he brought blessings to everybody around him. The whole household prospered because he was there. The whole jail prospered because he was there. All of Egypt prospered because Joseph wasn't in his home uh, land. He was in a foreign land, not by his own choice, and the whole land prospers because of Joseph is there. All of these things will happen to you. That's not the question. The question is, how will you let what happens in life affect you? How will you let it affect you? You're going to go through wrongs. You're going to go through injustices. You're going to go through loss. You're going to go through pain and hurt. How will you let it affect you? Will it cause you to be a success, full of joy everywhere you are? Or will it take you out of life? Joseph's life is just a huge picture for us on what a holy life looks like. Not a perfect life. Not a life that's free from hurts and loss and devastation. But Joseph had a vision. And Joseph had a dream. And he saw some things about his life very early in life. And... And very soon, hurts and pains and loss and difficulties begin to come his way. And and here's what I want to tell you in the midst of all this. What Joseph saw about life was real in his spirit and in his heart before it became real in Joseph's flesh. Things that I saw in my own life. 40 years ago, are now happening for me in the natural, in the flesh. But but here's what's got to happen. You have to hold on to what you see in the midst of all that life brings you. See, you, you see some things about your life. You hope for some things. You desire some things. You'll see a place in life that you're not at. Right now, the truth is, you're in a pit thrown there by family members. Right now, you're in a dungeon placed there wrongly. Right now, you've been lied about by your boss's wife. Right now, you have been forgotten by people who you helped. You have to hold on to what you see. You have to hold on to what you see on the inside of you. And you never give way to anger. Because anger is always there and ready to take over your mind. You never give way to hate. You you don't give way to bitterness. You you don't give way to unforgiveness. You don't give way to depression when it wants to roll over you. And, it, and it's, it, it wants to roll over all of us. We've all had times that depression wanted to roll over us, and you, you don't give way to that. Anger wants to roll over you, but you don't give way to that. Hate, unforgiveness wants to roll over you, but you don't give way to that. And there's times when you... Or mad at God. There's times you blame God for where you are. There are times that you don't even believe that God exists because of where you are. And when those thoughts come, you don't let them roll over you. You, you push them back. 
and you put a smile on your face, you put a spring in your step, and everywhere you are, even when you are where you don't want to be, that life prospers for you. What people meant to hurt you, what was meant to destroy you, God can use it for your good if you will let it happen and not let all of these other issues come in and take you out of the picture. Joseph had a vision. And the truth is, at 17, when he has a vision of his bundles of grain being bowed down to, he was not mature enough to handle that place in life yet. At that age, when God begins to show you some things He has for you, you're not ready to be in that place yet. You're not ready to walk into that place yet. There's got to be a lot of growth and maturity as you sit in a dungeon and you process what's happening to you. As you sit into a slave trader's box and you process what's happened to you, and when that door opens, you step out. Hello, Potiphar, how are you, sir? Good to meet you. Won't you come work for me? He wasn't the only guy that stepped out of that slave box. There's four, five, six, eight, ten packed in there. Why did Potiphar choose him to go into his household? Hello, sir. Howard. See, he processed all of that. Instead of stepping out of that cage full of hate and rage, he stepped out of that cage with a smile on his face and ready to go and do something. You got to see how this unfolds here. Jeremiah chapter 18, a familiar passage to us. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah, and he said, Go down to the potter's shop. I'll speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found a potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making didn't turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You just go through some crushing. You go through some remolding. You start taking shape and you start getting somewhere and it just smashes you down again. And you start kind of feeling good about yourself and it starts mashing you down again. And there's just lots of pride. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of immaturity. There's a lot of things in your life to work out. And, and I can't help but look at all of the lessons of living life that Joseph mastered and, and lived through and experienced to get him to that place standing before Pharaoh when they're saying, we're looking for a wise man. We're looking for a man that can handle these seven years of abundance. And out of everybody in Egypt, they choose Joseph. He didn't just get there overnight. He didn't just get there overnight. God wants to use you. But it's going to take some maturing. You, you know, you're going to have to work through bitterness. And Joseph had to. You're going to have to work through anger. You're going to have to work through hurt. You're going to have to work through your sense of loss. You're going to have to work through your sense that life stole from you. You're going to have to work through the devastation. You've got to work through all of that to get yourself to the place 
where they're looking for a wise man and they choose you. There's just so much that we can see in all of this. Joseph's work ethic, using his head, his cleanliness, his dress, his words, his conversation. In the midst of all the pain that he was going through, in the midst of all the difficulties that he faced. You know, I, I always hear this, and I guess because we're around young people, but I, I hear people referred to as the teacher's pet. I, I hear the oh, teacher's pet. I hear those words. I hear oh, the boss's favorite. You know, instead of you talking about the teacher's pet, you ought to ask yourself what made that the teacher's pet. I mean, what made them the teacher's pet? Because I have been a teacher before, and I had pets. I did. I got a student that's on the front row taking notes, wants to learn, comes up after class, wants to ask me a few more questions, is at class early, stays late, and always does their homework. And then I got somebody that comes in late on the back row, arms crossed, slumped down, sleeping, drooling out of their mouth. I say, do you have your homework? No. You read the lesson? No, I don't even got a book. I got news for you. I have a pet, and it ain't you. Never considered you for one of my pets. Yes, the teacher has pets. Your job is to be one. Yes, the boss gives raises and favorites. Your job is to be one. Yes, promotions happen. Your job is to get one. Yes, advantages are given. Your job is to get one and not sit on the back row, mad, sulking, and talking about all of those who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Well, Joseph was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Dad's favorite. Had a beautiful coat. Nobody else had a coat as pretty. But you can lose all the advantages in childhood very quickly. But regardless of what happens to you, good, bad, horrible, you're the one that makes life what it becomes for you. And I want you to know that. Bad happens to everybody. Everybody's gets stolen from. Everybody gets lied about. Life happens for all of us. And regardless of what happens to you, you're the one that makes it what it becomes for you. And any time along the way, well, read chapter 37 through chapter 50, if you hadn't read it. Any time along the way, life could have taken Joseph out. Well, I could have. Well, I could. Well, you know, I should have done that. Well, I could. Here's what I want you to know at the end of Joseph's story. God does not allow others to dictate your life. Even when they meant to destroy you. And you need to get a hold of that. God did not create life to operate where others dictated your life. His brothers surrounded him and sold him into the slave traders. But God makes a provision for you that your brothers can't dictate your life. Potiphar's wife lied and framed him and he's thrown in jail. Others can't dictate your life. You're the one that determines the life that you're going to live. You're the one that determines your success, your happiness, your prosperity, your enjoyment of life. You're the one that determines that regardless of what happens to you. How is a holy life attained? Chapter 39, verse 8. 
But Joseph refused. But Joseph refused, verse 9, to sin against God. How is a holy life attained? You refuse to sin against God. Regardless of what happens to you, you refuse to sin against God. What does a holy life look like? Chapter 50. Chapter 50. Turn there, verse 14. What does a holy life look like? Chapter 50, verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph is going to show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say this to you. Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, your father begged you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. When his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph, Oh, look, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended harm for me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I continue to take care of you. How do you assess all the wrongs and all of the injustices that have been done to you? How do you assess them? Y'all stand. Lord, we just thank you for your word that directs and guides our thinking. Lord, that through all of the hurts and the pains and the difficulties of living life in a fallen world, Lord, that we don't let bitterness overcome us, that we don't let rage and hate and anger, but Lord, that we find favor in your sight, favor in those around us, and Lord, that we succeed everywhere we are and every place we're in. Direct and guide us as we seek to live a holy life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Christian Ministries Church weekly podcast. Join us next week in our Heroes of Faith series as we minister on Joseph.